Hello, friends, and welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Carey, and I am really grateful for this opportunity to speak with a brave woman named Carrie today. Carrie and I just met a few months ago as she heard Michael and I speak on the Nothing is Wasted podcast, and she bravely reached out to me and shared her story with me about her struggle with sexual integrity. And I asked her if she'd be willing to share on our podcast, and she graciously agreed. You guys, these are crazy times that we're living in. I don't know if I've ever felt so trapped and isolated and smothered and conflicted with so many different stressful feelings all at the same time as I have recently. We're recording this podcast at the beginning of April 2020 in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, all of us are on stay-at-home orders. It is an unprecedented season in life and stress and fear are really at all-time high levels for our society. And I think what an incredible gift to be able to sit down for some quiet moments to record this podcast and hopefully for you as the listeners to be able to listen to it so that we can uncover an issue that is rampant among women. When a lot of people think of this as a men's battle, the battle with sexual integrity, but it is very common among women and even among Christian women. Some statistics say as many as one third of all Christian women are struggling with pornography use and nobody really knows except for God what the truth is, but we do know it's a very prevalent issue. So Carrie, I want to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You're, you are so brave, and this is one of the reasons why I reached out to you and asked you to share more about your story with us. You want to just start by just sharing some basic things about yourself with sure. our audience? Yeah. yeah. So I live in Indiana. I am a 36-year-old single uh, professional, and I currently live alone. And I am pretty active in my church. Um, well, currently I'm not active because <laughs> we can't be in church. So that's right. feeling very weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, normally I'm, I have a, a very good church I go to and I'm involved there and um, just have a good community where I live in Indiana as well. So um, Carrie, can you tell us a little bit of, of your first experience with being exposed to pornography and or anything that kind of led up to that, how that sure. experience was for you as a Christian woman. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually, I wasn't exposed to it until later in my life, pornography. And it was just because I um, sought it out on my own. So um, it wasn't like anyone showed it to me when I was little. Um, but I was sexually abused when I was five years old. So I think that's part of my story that yeah. led up to this. Um, so that's one thing to note. But I saw it out, um, it was about five years ago. And it was a season of my life where I had lived with a group of girls, but I had moved out and decided to live on my own. And I was just like really excited for this new season of life to be on my own and be independent. 
Um, but with that came just a lot of loneliness. I also, for my profession, I work pretty much alone during the day. So I, I quickly realized that I was working alone and then coming home to an empty house. Um, so I think that was another reason um, that, you know, just made me more tempted. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That feeling of loneliness was intensified during that season. Um, and the other thing is I, I've always had a really good group of friends in this area, but that year in particular, all of my, it felt like all of my single girlfriends were getting married. And then all of my friends that were already married were starting to have children. So, you know, we were all still friends, but we just didn't have the same schedule anymore. We didn't have as much time to hang out. And I remember feeling like, I want to go out to eat tonight and I don't know who to ask. And it, yeah. yeah, it was just such a rough season of, you know, how sometimes in life we have a transition of friendships. Yes. And I was in the middle of that, but I wasn't to the other side of it. And yeah. And it was probably that entire year that I struggled to find good, solid girlfriends that were available and single and able to hang out, you know? Um, that is a really yeah. hard season of life. Cause I know I went through a divorce because of my ex-husband's sexual addiction and I was 31. I turned 32, like right after the divorce happened. And it was extremely difficult to find friends that would be available. And in that same season yeah. of life as me, it was a very lonely time. Yeah. And we need connection. Like we we're do. wired for relationships. We are. Yeah. And so yeah. It, when we experience a lack of that, I think like the, these temptations that already could be there and just intensify. Yeah. They're easier to grab a hold of. It's like Satan monopolizes on the opportunity. Yes. To get us to come down that road with him. That yeah. To take us on. Yeah. What do you feel like is the lie that pornography was whispering to you ever so subtly that really like kind of took you in? And then also what, what were the other places that it took you to in terms of stepping outside of your value system as a Christian mm -hmm. and this struggle kind of becoming more of a stronghold? Yeah, I think the main uh, motivator is we want to be desired, right? Yeah. As a man and as a woman, we want to know that we are desired. And when we reach out, when I reached out to pornography online or inappropriate conversations with men online, I felt desired yeah. and I felt a connection that I was lacking. Um, and then the other piece of that is if you have any emotional pain going on, it's an escape from it. So if I had a hard day of being lonely or depressed or feeling hopeless at all, to, to be able to pursue anything online and get that connection was like a drug. Absolutely. Well, and it actually does produce such high levels of dopamine and oxytocin and other chemicals in our brain that do give us a legitimate boost. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I could feel like, oh, just the power of the stronghold is crazy because yeah. when you start to dabble in it, um, like you might not be very addicted or you might not have like a huge stronghold in the beginning, but when you start to go down that road, it intensifies and it started to feel like this is out of control. It's like this, this, um, cart with wheels that's going down a hill and it's all of a sudden really weighted and it's going faster and faster. And I, at times during that year, I would come home from work, get online and five hours would go by. Yeah. Like nothing. Like you all of a sudden look up and you realize it's been five hours and I've been absorbed into this yeah. world this where you could, world. yeah, a fantasy world where you could be whatever you wanted to be yeah. and escape the reality of your pain and your loneliness. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, it's so like for me to think about this right now, it just seems so illogical. Like how could I be in that place ever? but I know I was, and I experienced it myself. And it just, it felt so impossible to shake. Yeah. Yeah. So Carrie, you mentioned your, your childhood experience of, of having experienced sexual abuse. And now there's people who are struggling with their sexual integrity and have not experienced sexual abuse, but sexual abuse is very prominent. It is very common. Um, I think the statistic is like one in three girls and one in five boys or something like that will have experienced sexual abuse as a child. And do you feel like that backdrop of abuse was a foundation laid for you to be lured into these struggles as an adult? Mm -hmm, For sure. I, um, yeah, because it started when I was five. And then I think because it happened, it, led me to experiment with the same sex friend, just inappropriate touching. And, um, and I think all of that contributed to just sexual feelings at a very young age. And so I remember being little and having fantasies every night as I was falling asleep, just sexual fantasies. And I, you know, that's just, it was how I operated at a very young age. And then that intensifies when you start to date and have boyfriends in middle school and actually experience relationships with men. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it's what started the ball rolling, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about that year, about five years ago, that this struggle started really ramping up for you. And, and at what point did you realize, oh my gosh, like this is such a problem. Like I need to, I I've got to stop. Yeah. I, um, I just found that I continued to like reach out online. It was becoming habitual. And then I started to be tempted to meet up with men in real life. Yeah. Meeting online but not meeting like, oh, just online dating website. We're going to get coffee. Like a <laughs> like, sexual chat room. Yeah. 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 Like, a sex, like we wanted to meet for sexual purposes, whatever that was, you know, whatever, mm. whatever he wanted to do or I wanted to do. Um, I remember at one point I was talking to a guy in Chicago and then seriously considering driving to Chicago to meet up with this man. I had never met. And I, it came out that I did find his name and 
I saw a face, you know, and that, that was a really interesting um, layer to the whole thing. But um, anyway, so I think that was my biggest wake up call of like, okay, this is a potentially very dangerous situation. I'm willing to put myself in because I don't know how this is going to go in real life. In my head, it's going to be amazing. Right. Because it's a fantasy in my head. Yes. (laughs) But in reality, I could be raped. I could be killed. I could be, you know. Yes. You could contract an STD. Yeah. 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 Right. At the very least. So. Carrie, you mentioned seeing his face, like you looked him up and you found him and you saw his face and you said that was an important layer. What was it? What was the realization when you saw his face? Yeah, I think it snapped me a little bit back to reality of like, this is a real person and this isn't just a fantasy world that you think is going to be amazing. Um, and yeah, I don't have any reason to believe like that he was a Christian. Like, I think it just was a wake up call that like, no, this is not what I want. Like, do you feel like there was part of you that was really searching for like real relationship, like, uh, like a commitment, a long-term committed connection and not just a sexual encounter? Yeah, for sure. And I was also like dating at the time, like, um, going out with guys, like quality guys. Yeah that I liked and I wanted something to work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wanted that connection. Yeah. So basically Mm -hmm. you kind of got to the, to the brink of acting on the fantasy world in real life and you just, that just snapped you back to reality. Yeah. It, it scared me too. Um, because I also had this man, the man in Chicago, he found, he looked me up online and found uh, my business phone number and he texted it. And that really scared me because I thought, you know what, maybe this guy is unsafe. Yeah. 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 Um, Like I know I don't have intention to harm him, but I don't really know his intentions. Right. So once that happened, when I got that text, I, I reached out to a friend, told her everything, showed him this guy's picture and, you know, and I'm living alone at the time. I'm starting to have these like fears of he's going to show up at my apartment, you know, just fill in the blank. That's not fun to live in that fear. Yeah. So was that the first time you told somebody what was really going on in this fantasy world of yours? You know, I think it was to, to that detail. Like I had a mentor I was reaching out to and I would say, Hey, I'm struggling today. Like, did she, can you pray for me? Did she know what you meant when you said I was, I'm struggling? Cause a lot of times when we're struggling with something like this, we might minimize or kind of cloak it in like, yeah. and, or, or tone it down. You know, did she realize yeah. the magnitude of what you were struggling with? I don't think she did. She knew it centered around sexual temptation. But I don't remember ever telling her about wanting to meet up with men. Yeah. Yeah. Or being on chat rooms. Yeah. I don't. I'm pretty sure I didn't tell her that. Yeah. So at what point did you share the reality of what was happening? Was it when you had this wake up call? Yeah. Yeah. And I asked my friend um, to meet me for coffee and just told her everything. And she just like gratefully listen to everything and didn't judge me. And she's just, I mean, to this day, she's one of my safest friends. I know I can tell her anything. And she didn't have the answers or know like how to help you, but she just was there and present. Yeah. 
yeah, she was just there. And then I remember that night, like so vividly, we were at Panera and she ended up sharing struggles of her own, like temptations of her own in her married life. Yeah. And I love that like vulnerability disarms people. It does. Vulnerability disarms people. I'm writing that down. That is, did you make that up? (laughs) I feel like I should not take credit for that quote. <laughs> it's probably Bre- Brene Brown. <laughs> yeah, it's really good though. I, I've been saying it lately because it's just, it feels so true that yeah. whoever goes first allows the other person to come alongside and also match their vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever try, did you ever try telling somebody Carrie that was not safe or that, that did not respond well? And what was that experience like if so? That's a good question. I don't feel like there's many people I told, but I'm trying to think. Which would be, that would be a normal response. Most people don't go around telling yeah. many people about this. Yeah. Um, I remember having friends that I could tell they were uncomfortable if I would bring up the topic of like sexual temptation or I, I might ask a friend like, what do you think about masturbation? Like, do you think it's okay? And yeah. I could just tell people's comfort levels about the subject in general. So then it was harder to share my struggle. Absolutely. Well, you put your feeler out there to figure out who would be safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do remember getting some suggestions of, you know, praying harder or, um, oh yeah. Cause I, I had done a little bit of biblical counseling and I remember I got a whole book of like prayers to pray and verses to go through every time I struggled. Um, And so I would do that, but I didn't feel like it helps because, um, I don't think we need to just pray. Like it's not just a spiritual issue. Preach. We're holistic. (laughs) (laughs) So is it a sin that I need to confess? Yes, absolutely. But it doesn't end there. No. It's emotional, you know, it's physical. Yeah. It's. Yeah, all the things. So it's, it's brain. Uh, it's your brain. Like yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So at what point did you realize this is going to take more than just prayer and Bible memorization to break free from this? I think when when I wanted to reach out to the guy, yeah, that was my wake up call. So and all then, this time that you're struggling right. is when you were doing this counseling, this Bible, a uh, biblical counseling and the prayer and stuff. You were trying to get free from it all the while, while you were struggling. Oh my gosh, that sounds like painful. The shame of you're trying to break free and you know this is wrong and then you'd find yourself stepping back into it again. Yeah, absolutely. I drove four hours to Iowa for a three-day intensive biblical counseling course and was still struggling. I think I struggled while I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I... um, I did a workshop in Texas with Shannon Etheridge, which yeah. was amazing. Yes. Women of the Well, I highly recommend I that. have heard that's awesome. Yeah. It's an intensive four-day um, counseling session with other women that are struggling. And that was the beginning of removing the shame for Okay. Me. Yes. It didn't fix it overnight. You yeah. know, it's a process. Like God has us all in a process and a journey. But it was, I remember the shame just being lifted. Mm. What was it that lifted the shame during that intensive? Was it being with other women who were struggling as well and realizing like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone? 
Yeah, I think that was a piece. And then the very first night she had us go around and say the very thing we didn't want anyone else in the entire world to know. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like so about about our, our shameful behavior? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, about like why we had come. And so we all went around one by one and shared like you just like a sentence. Like I just said my sentence. And then after I said it, I was like, number one, I didn't die. I'm still alive. <laughs> and number two, I'm looking at faces of empathy. Oh. And no one me. Yes. That is so powerful. Do and you here with me? Do you think that you could have ever experienced some um relief and um, restoration from this struggle without that human connection, without the empathy, the shame being lifted through human connection. Because most of us think we will take this secret to our grave and nobody will ever know and we will conquer it on our own. I hear people with sexual struggles that become addictive say that kind of thing all the time. And I've never met somebody where that's worked for them. No. And yeah, and that was me. And I feel like there's an element of pride involved in that because I didn't want anyone to know I was embarrassed and I was ashamed. And, yeah. and there's the pride of like, I can do this on my own. Um, I don't need anyone. Right. <laughs> the very, the very issue that got us to the temptation in the first place. But mm -hmm. um, what was I going to say with that? Oh, so yeah, I operated for a long time of like, I'm just going to tell God. Yeah. Me and God are going to have my, my quiet time with my journal and my Bible and I will tell him everything. But he spoke to me one time and he said, um, this doesn't require vulnerability to talk to me. You know, I know everything and I love you and I care for you. And I want you to go and tell like fill in the blank. He gave me a friend's name. You need to reach out and be vulnerable and tell someone you're struggling because there's power in that confession. Yeah. And then that was what I, do you remember earlier I was talking about the addiction, the strong, me feeling the stronghold yes. and feeling controlled by it yeah. or I couldn't stop it. Right. Every time I confessed, literally I felt the power removed from my struggle. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's, I, <laughs> For the first time, I was like, Lord, I am experiencing your power firsthand. That like you tell us in James, I think James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. I know a lot of people who are stuff, stuck in a cycle of uh, struggle, confess, struggle, confess, struggle, confess. Did you go through that for a little while where you would confess, but it, it still was a struggle? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was just a cycle of like, I'm yeah. sorry, Lord. Okay. I did it again. I'm sorry. Right. Lord. I did it again. But I even mean confess to a friend. Oh yeah. 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 Did you, so, so what was it that pushed you to that next level? It was the shame getting removed as you went to that intensive and told everybody your darkest secret and like realized you didn't die and other people were looking at you with empathy instead of shame. Mm -hmm. That was a, another big step. What were the, uh, were there other pillars of giving you some healing and some restoration from this? Yeah. So I finally reached out to um, a counselor and it wasn't at first because of the sexual issues. It was more just, I was experiencing depression. Yeah. That's what I, I said when I went to her, even though I was still dabbling and talking with guys online. I said, I said, I feel like 
I don't know how to remove this depression that I'm feeling. And I have a hard time connecting with other people. Mm. Like when I talk to people at church or even some of my friendships, it just feels like there's this barrier and I can't get close to people. Wow. We, that's where we started and that it's been, um, a year and a half now. (laughs) And has that helped? Yes, immensely. And I thought it was just going to be a few months, you know, and then we'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So do you think, do you think that there's a parallel between the depression and the sexual struggles? Like, do you think that the sexual struggles kind of intensify the depression? Yeah. I think it goes hand in hand. Um, I think depression for me has been more of a, a chemical thing I've experienced since college. Yes. Yes. I have felt, but then this particular struggle, sexual struggle intensifies it. And then it's a cycle. Yeah. For sure. Work together. Yeah. 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 Um, And then she quickly asked me to join a, a process group. So a group of people that we're all coming together. We're all anonymous. Um, we keep each other's stuff confidential and it's a group where we come and we're vulnerable about our struggles. And is everybody struggling with the same thing or people struggling with all different kinds of things? All different kinds of things. Yeah. And we practice how to listen and respond in empathy. And that's beautiful. Yeah. At first, yeah. I gave all this advice about what they should do and not do. <laughs> and then I realized that's not helpful. <laughs> we just need to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is really what has been the most powerful um, experience in my life, I would say, the last year and a half is, is coming together weekly with a group of people, mixed genders, and we talk about the hard things in life and sit with the hard, sit with like the uncomfortable feelings yeah. we're having and we're there for each other. That's amazing. Yeah. So Carrie, if you could give some words of comfort or encouragement to our listeners, men or women who are struggling with sexual addiction or, or stepping outside their value system with their sexuality you know, kind of doing the thing they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of encouragement or I know you, the, the process group, you don't do advice, but I'm asking you to give some advice on our podcast here sure. or to give some hope to yeah. our listeners. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're not alone in your struggle yeah. because this particular struggle for, for whatever reason is so full of shame. And so we assume that we're alone. And we're the only one right. struggling and it keeps us from speaking up about it and connecting with others that are also struggling. So you're not alone. It's more common than you think. Um, also, I want to say like that your sexual desire in, in and of itself is not a bad thing. Right. Like God created us with these desires. And that was something I really had to wrestle through of, you know what? It's okay to to want to be with a man like God created me this way. And he just wants me to do it in the right context. That's going to be safe. Yeah. Um, And not harming to me or another person, but yeah. So just realizing that it's okay to have desire. Um, You're not alone. And like 
something a lady just told me at church that was really powerful to me is she said, God sees your struggle and he, and he sees your sin and he loves you regardless. And he's working something out in you Yeah. through this. And that was really powerful that like, God is always sanctifying us. He's always going to use what's in front of us. And he's working something out in me. Like it's, he's going to produce good through this. If I can surrender to him and if I can give up control and give up my pride and go tell someone, Hey, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Yeah. He's going to see us through to the other side. That's awesome. How do you feel like the current situation with the, the coronavirus crisis and being, you said you lived alone and mm-hmm. like just the, the social distancing. How do you think that Im- is impacting people that are struggling in this area? Oh, I'm sure it's intensifying it because it's just, it's a season of loneliness. I mean, whether you live alone or not, you're not as connected. Right. Friends or your family. Um, there's only so much you can do virtually. It's just not the same. No. Yeah. We're having to figure out a new normal and what works and what doesn't. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if people are struggling even more so now. Yeah. 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 What's bringing you relief? I mean, like what's bringing you some like connection in the midst of this really disconnected season of the coronavirus crisis? Yeah. I mean, I've just been making an effort to reach out to family and friends, talk on the phone as much as my millennial self hates it. (laughs) It's good for me (laughs) to actually have real time conversation, not just texting. Um, my family's on the Marco Polo app. Yeah. We can send videos to each other and, and that's really helped. Um, and then so far where I'm at, like we can still get out and meet people for walks. So yeah. with the weather getting nicer, that has been a godsend for me just to still yeah. be able to have a face-to-face connection, you know, not getting too close, not hugging, but yeah. Yeah. Just having that connection time. Um, yeah. And I would say other than that, just trying to I think Henry Cloud said it the other week in his video of like controlling what we can right now mm-hmm. because there's so much out of our control. So trying to set a schedule as much as we can, like a wake up time, go to bed time. <laughs> like I'm trying to avoid like alcohol, Netflix, sugar right now as much as I can. I think it takes a little bit of self-awareness of like, what do I need right now? Yes. Do I need, cause it's different for everyone. Someone might right. totally fine binging Netflix, but for me, I'm going to feel sad <laughs> when I'm done. Yeah. So just one movie or a couple episodes of the office is better for me. Um, but yeah, just checking in and being like, okay, do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to connect with a friend? Is it okay if I just sit here and do a puzzle for a minute? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've just had to like figure that out and and try things. I don't do every day perfectly, you know. <laughs> We're learning. Yeah. None of us have ever done a pandemic before. <laughs> right. Me neither. My first pandemic too. It's, yeah, it's our first time. Yeah. 
yeah. so we're out as we go um trying to have grace for each other and yeah and I I've realized too that being single and living alone it helps me if I can try to reach out and like serve in some way to get my focus off of myself yeah <laughs> so if it's like calling a friend to like read their kids a bedtime story oh, that's like so sweet one time we did that or you know dropping off coffee like in a safe way for friends on their porch yeah just something that can get you outside of yourself and your thoughts yeah. I think helps yeah Definitely. Oh my gosh. So much great stuff that you've shared. I mean, I love how self-aware you've become through this whole process. I mean, you've identified like that you need to stay in touch with your heart and see what you need and meet your own needs. But then you also need a balance of being able to reach outside of yourself and meet the needs of others. So you're not sacrificing your well-being to love others. I mean, you're, you're, you're following the great commandment, which is to love your neighbor. Well, obviously first love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you're both loving yourself and you're loving your neighbor. A lot of times as Christians, I think we leave out the love yourself part and we ignore ourselves and our needs. And that's not that, that is a road to destruction, especially for those of us who struggle with addiction. For sure. So So that's such a great example. And thank you so much for vulnerably putting your story and your heart out there, Carrie. I really appreciate your willingness. Uh, Friends, this is Kristen Carrie signing off. We just want to give a great big thank you to Carrie for her heart and soul and, and vulnerability and sharing this struggle with us. I hope that it has been encouraging to you guys as you've listened, that you can glean some wisdom and encouragement and we would love to be able to be there for you. So email me if you're a woman at kristenc at living-truth.org. Or if you're a man, you can reach out to Michael, Michael C at living-truth.org. We would love to help you figure out your next steps to find freedom and hope from the struggles related to our sexuality. Uh, thank you so much again, Carrie. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to be with us today. 